Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Born to Talk radio show podcast. I just have to quickly do a shout-out to my Dodgers. Okay, done. My guest woo-hoo. today is woohoo is right. My guest today is Mickey Marafino. That's who you heard woohooing in the background. She is the founder of Mickey M Marketing, and we met through our local LAX Coastal Chamber of Commerce, and we became fast friends. Hi, Mickey. Marsha, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you today? Well, I'm great. I'm really excited to be talking to you and telling my story. You have such a great uh, podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that, Mickey. Um, The check is in the mail. So please, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I can Venmo it, right? So please tell our, there you go. So please, please tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and went to school, just so we can get to know a little bit about Mickey. Okay, so I was born in Buffalo, New York. That's a fact very few people know uh, because my family moved from Buffalo to Massachusetts when I was five years old. So I basically grew up in Medway, Massachusetts, a small town, a population of 6,000 when I lived there. And, um, and then I went to college in Washington, D.C., and I lived there for 10 years. I wanted um, a little more cultural diversity, and I was planning to start international business. So, and I was also in search for warmer weather, and for some odd reason, I felt like going as far south as Washington, D.C. would be warmer weather. It really wasn't. Um, but I did have a wonderful experience, and I lived in an international dorm, and I met people from all around the world, and it was really fun, and I loved living in D.C. Um, that time I also uh, got involved in the shopping center industry and decided in my search for warm weather that I would head to California. So that's what brought me out here probably over 25 years ago. So now I'm in Redondo Beach, California, and I love it here and the weather's perfect. And, um, and that's the beginning of the story. Well, I like that, Mickey, and um, I can relate. Uh, my husband um, was from Detroit, and he absolutely left Detroit for the exact same reason. He obviously wanted a job, but he knew he didn't want a job in the Midwest. He knew he wanted to come to warmer weather. He didn't want to scrape windows and snow and all of that stuff anymore. So a lot of people move here very much for the weather. Some of us were born and raised here like me, and we don't know what it's really like, frankly, to live anybody anywhere else. You mentioned shopping centers. And as someone that pretty much loves shopping centers, maybe we can't certainly do it the way we used to do that, 
Uh, I would like to know what what was that behind the scenes kind of work that you did in your profession working in shopping centers? What did you do? Well, I ended up graduating from AU with a degree in marketing, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And my mother's husband at the time, uh, he was a retired uh, police chief, and he was the director of security at a shopping center. And she said, have you ever thought about working in a mall? And, of course, I hadn't. I didn't even know there were people behind the scenes in the mall as many people don't. And um, she said, it's a really fun job. I get to know spas really well, put on fashion shows, things like that. So I thought, well, that sounds interesting. Everybody wants to know Santa better. And, um, and I started pursuing it, and I ended up at Montgomery Mall in Bethesda, Maryland, in, you know, right in the D.C. area. So that was my first shopping center experience, and I went through a huge renovation and expansion, and I loved the development side of it. And so that's what brought me out to California. I opened Marino Valley Mall um, as a marketing director, and that I was there for about three years, and then I came to Redondo Beach at South Bay Galleria, and I worked on and off at South Bay Galleria for probably over 10 years. And then I've worked with several other different developers in the shopping center industry, and I have watched it evolve tremendously. I'm just curious. Uh, so because I, 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 you were mentioning a mall that my daughter and I constantly went to, which was the South Bay Galleria. As a, do you, are you helping people conceptualize a mall, or is the mall already developed Stores or, or do you bring in the? I guess what I'm trying to determine, because I don't understand how it works really. Do you help bring in the businesses that come to the malls? Are you the one that goes to a jewelry store and says you want to be at our mall? No, but okay. I help the people who do that. So my responsibility has been primarily to bring the shoppers into the shopping center. So it's to find out why you would want to come into the shopping center. Is it because of certain stores that you like? Is it because of different events that you like? So ultimately, my goal was to build retail sales in the shopping center with the guests who are coming into the shopping center. And then in situations where the property wasn't in existence yet, it was to do community outreach, talk to members of the community and find out what they wanted in their shopping center. You know, what would bring them joy? And we'll, we'll get to that. But that is my whole goal in life is building joyful communities. And many of those communities that I've worked in have been within shopping centers. Well, so just to carry that thought a little bit farther, so you do community outreach and you want to understand what consumers want to come, that they want to to find in their shopping centers. You know, what what do they have there? Is there are is there a food court? Are there two anchor stores? Is my favorite shoe store there? Is my favorite cosmetic store there? How do you gather that information? How do you find out what that person is looking for? How do you survey that? Well, oftentimes it's, um, you know, I, I mentioned the term community outreach, and basically that's being a part of the community and speaking to people on a regular basis, explaining to them, you know, some ideas about what the project could entail 
and then to get their feedback and say, oh, you know, I don't think I like that idea, but what about this? And then you gather more information that way. So it's really about listening to the community. Obviously, there's research involved too, but a lot of it is listening because you learn so much when you're out in the community. Even, you know, in my volunteer experience, oftentimes I'm also learning about the shopping center and what people want to see there, if people feel safe there, if they think it's clean, if they like certain events, much of that comes just from listening. And so would you be at a, at a, some kind of non, some kind of place where there's a, a group of people, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or some of the other clubs that we'll be talking about as we go through the show together, do you just have a, have an, a, point, a place where you just say, can we just sit down? Because I would really like to talk with you. If you, if you could build the perfect mall, what, what stores would you like to see there? Is it just, does it start that basic? Yeah, sometimes it does. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, through social media, you can ask those questions. And everyone is happy to tell you what their favorite stores are. Um, yes. And sometimes, you know, it's not even as formal. It's even more organic where you're having lunch together and you're just listening to what they're telling you and you're understanding how important it is for someone, for example, to be able to get a wheelchair really easily because they have, you know, their mom needs a wheelchair and they don't want to have to park and go inside and get a wheelchair. They want to have somebody bring it to the curb, things like that, that you wouldn't maybe normally think about, but as you're having conversations, you learn these things. It's interesting, Mickey, because I I am kind of taking some notes while you're talking, and I know as a consumer, You've just mentioned several things, safety, clean, events, access to wheelchairs. I can tell you a huge one, and that's parking, right? People want to be – I can't tell you how many times, and I know that I'm localizing this when I say this, but I can't tell you how many times I went to Century City to the big mall there and truly could not remember what floor I was on to park where I parked my car. You, it's it's bad enough when we do it just in our own little local communities, but it it became the point where I would, you know, and, and I'm talking about before cell phones where you would take a picture of that pillar and you'd say, you know, you're on level four or whatever. But You I, know I'm that parking. trick too. <laughs> well, you know, we do it now. But, you right. know, back in those days, I remember when uh, my daughter was engaged and getting ready to get married and, and we're talking, you know, you know, a long time ago, and we'd be at, at, at a mall, and we were looking at wedding gowns, or we're looking at shoes, or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, did we come in by the food court? Wait, did we come in by Neiman Marcus? Did we go up? Did we go down? So parking is is also um, really important. Certainly, what the um, mall has to offer uh, adds to it if you if you're doing that and so we have found over the years and you've been here long enough to know that there are anchor stores that are no longer even in existence that used to be right. an anchor store to mall i'm i'm thinking about sears and roebuck you know or montgomery ward now i'm going way back 
but those stores were were part of those malls. Um, and then you've got the indoor mall, you got the outdoor mall, then you got the malls that are separated by a big street, and now there's a big bridge that goes over. So uh, you know, it's I, I really spent a lot of what I would call very joyful time in malls, and I want to thank you for making those things. Like you mentioned earlier, a fashion show. So you're in the mall and you're thinking, whoa, look what they're setting up here. Or you bring your children or grandchildren to meet Santa or the Easter Bunny. That really brings a lot of business. That This is before everybody was doing Amazon Prime. Everybody wanted to be in the mall, touching, feeling, and experiencing what that was like. Wouldn't you say that that was as much social as it was? And it still is. I mean, yeah. I think... You know, people are probably shopping online more than ever now, but they still can't get that personal experience. And I don't think Amazon has figured out a way to visit Santa yet. Um, <laughs> so, which is a good thing. And I have to say, the things that bring me joy the most in my job and working in the shopping center are the activities for children. Because to watch their face light up when they see Santa, or when, you know, you have a kids club program and, you know, the comedian is super funny and he gets all the kids to engage and play instruments or whatever. It is just that, that really lights up my life. That's just so fun. It's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I'm pict- I, I don't live far from a Westfield mall and I can so remember just exactly what you're saying where you're coming down the escalator, you're looking right over by Macy's, which was usually set up right in front of Macy's there, and you could just see the line. And then you could see the Santa. You could see a train. And if you had young children, they were so excited. Sometimes they were afraid. You know, not everybody Mm -hmm. wanted to sit up on that big guy's lap with the red suit on. But you know, I it brought so much joy to just like as you said, which is part of who you are as a joyful community builder. It did bring a lot of joy to whomever, not only just the children, but the adults that got to experience that with the children. And I, I really, I really do think that that's something that when we come back to living in a different lifestyle, hopefully into 2021, um, we'll be able to start to do that again. But what I find really interesting about you, I find a lot of things interesting about you, but <laughs> it's it's like you took all of these experiences and you just pivoted. You just took a pivot and you began your own company, Mickey M. Marketing. And I'd really like to talk about your company and, and what you do and why you do it and just learning more about you, Mickey, personally, um, not only just what you do in your business but what you do in your away from business because we have some some mutual friends that, that are involved in other community events. So you started Mickey M. Marketing, and that started two years ago, did you say? Did it start in 18? Yep. Yep, about yep, two years now. And I started it because we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of transition in the shopping center industry now. Um, I don't believe it's dead. I think it's changing, and it's evolved for years, and it will continue to evolve. 
Um, but, you know, when things are not so great at the shopping center, you know, oftentimes there isn't the budget to hire marketing professionals. So I felt like I could be of more assistance in helping to build that joyful community if I could be, you know, independent. And I could come in, I could help with, you know, solving a problem, and then, you know, I could go out and and work somewhere else. So I felt like that was really an opportunity for me to be able to assist many different shopping centers. And along the way, I learned that I also have such a passion for small businesses. And as Mickey M Marketing grew, I realized that there are also small businesses that can't really afford to have a full-time marketing person on board. So I can come in and I can help them strategize. I can help them put together processes so they can have consistent marketing, so they can ensure that their customer experience is exceptional. And then you know, go help another business. So, um, so, so that's really kind of been the impetus to starting Mickey M marketing and, and where I've taken it. Well, that's, you know, you have to be authentic and it certainly describes you. And if you, when you, I'm looking at your website. So I would say to any of you that are listening right now, Mickey's website is Mickey M Marketing, and it, it's a great website, and it's a beautiful picture of you, by the way. And I Thank think you. that it, it is. And I think that I love what you say right here, right on the top of your of, of your homepage. People crave the human experience and community more than ever now, which is why keeping your marketing message to the top of the mind is essential because we do want to trust where we go and if somebody does have that small business um i don't know can you can you give me an example of what a small business would be would that be somebody that just has one business but isn't like in four or five different locations as well it it could be both of those. I mean, it it could be both of those. I, you know, it wouldn't be like a Target or, you know, right. what I would consider a large business. But, you know, in the shopping center, a lot of times you have your boutiques, you know, your one-offs. They're not your national retailers. And, you know, some of them may be regional. You might see them in a couple of different shopping centers, but they would be considered a small business. Or, you know, it could even be, you know, a service-based business like, um, you know, financial planner or estate attorneys or, you know, businesses like that who don't work for a larger company, but they have their own business. Oh, I see. Unrelated to malls altogether. Right. But it's still, you know, it's still a small business where they can't really afford to have their own, you know, marketing professional on staff. Right. You know, you used a really great word. Words mean so much to me, as you know that about me. And you and you drew a picture in my mind, which was when you said boutiques. So as an example, you know, as an example, just what, what popped into my head. We live on the West Coast. 
um, surf attire and, and surfing clothes and that kind of thing was very popular, uh-huh. particularly when I was growing up, um, and then continued to be very popular. And then the skateboarders kind of came in, and then they had their style of clothes. And I could see where somebody that says, we're going to just have a boutique, and we're marketing to a specific genre, a specific group of people. But, oh, my God, how do we do that? How do we how do we get it out there? How how do we process that? We're not a large business, but we and we we've got to afford our rent. So we to afford our rent, we have to be able to bring an in income. So I can see where that boutique style of store would be a terrific opportunity for you to to help people like that. Why am I am I getting that right? Right, right. So what I would do is um, first of all, you know sit down, talk to the business owner, find out what their concerns are. And then I do a marketing assessment and I consider it kind of a holistic assessment because it's not just, it is your website, it is your social media, um, it is your email marketing, but it's also customer experience. It's also your face-to-face interactions. With For some companies, those are events. For some other companies, that's networking. It's um, being on a podcast, you know, uh, which isn't actually face-to-face. And, you know, right now, actually, there aren't too many face-to-face interactions. I know. Um, But that will change with time. Um, But I I look at the overall, you know, everything that I consider marketing, which is your brand. You know, what makes up your brand? And then I make recommendations. And if they need resources, I can recommend resources for – building your website or for posting your social media or um, scheduling your events. So I have a list, a group of people that I work with who can provide resources as well. That's great. You know, I guess in some ways, Mickey, because I've been doing this now for a very long time and it's, it's interesting because obviously I needed to have a website and then the, so the website was developed and I have my domain and now I've gone from blogging to actually being, frankly, before I was on, on Blog Talk Radio, Mickey, um, a lot of people know this, that I was actually in a studio in the building that you and I go to for our Chamber of Commerce meetings, and I was in a, in a studio called L.A. Talk Live. But it was like, well, how do you make that all happen? Who, you know, who, do, who helps you with those things? You know, if you and that's are, sometimes the challenge. Absolutely, it was a challenge, and so you you need a webmaster. You need somebody that's going to help you get through some of these things. And for those of us that podcast, you know, the the technology that's out there is vitally important to us. The social media is vitally important to us. So I can see where you're surveying and saying to somebody, so you know, let's talk. I I mean I I. That's what you and I did. We've met a couple of times where it was really about let's talk. And what I so respect about you and what I think is makes you so exceptional in what you do is not only can you talk, because the show is about you, but you are an exceptional listener because your mind is listening and your mind is thinking, okay, I heard her, I heard him say this, that okay i see that there's some fogginess there maybe i can ask some clarity questions i think that that what's that's what's so 
um, terrific about you, and I like when you say building joyful communities. So let me just ask you, if I was to ask you to define that, what does building joyful communities mean to you? Well, I will be the first one to admit it's aspirational. Um, It's a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, You know, even Disneyland says happiest place on earth. They don't say the most joyful place on earth. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, but my goal is to spark joy, you know, and, and how do you do that? Sometimes it's just as simple as offering a smile to somebody when they need a smile. Um, You know, there's so many simple things that people can do. Um, You know, you talk about parking at at a shopping center. I mean, it is, there's nothing worse than not not knowing where your car is, especially when there's a sea of cars out there and there's many different levels. So, you know, if I can do anything to make it easier for people to not have to worry about that part of their shopping experience, because they could take a little you know, piece of paper when they got out of their car and it would remind them where they are or because they were looking, you know, they knew they were in the yellow section, but then there was some kind of an image like, I don't know, a starfish or a seahorse or something like that Mm -hmm. instead of a letter and a number because a letter and a number, in my mind, that gets jumbled up pretty quickly. So I'm good with colors and images. Um, So, you know, there's, there's different things. Um, that we can do to bring joy. I mean, even something as simple as having a smile in your voice and using your own voice on your voicemail. You know, if somebody calls you, what kind of response do they get when they call you? Do they get an automated message that just has the phone number? Or do they hear your voice? And is it a welcoming voice? Um, One thing that I love to do is when I'm actually at events, is, you know, scan the room and see if there's anyone standing by themselves and then go over there and talk to them because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're the only one that doesn't know anybody. So that is, you know, and then you introduce them to somebody else and you create connections. So creating joy is really not that hard. It's just that people don't think about it enough. I think you're right uh, because I'm, we're we're very similar in that regard. I absolutely would do the same thing. I I I do that wherever I go, frankly. Uh there's rarely a time that I don't engage somebody in a conversation. But when when somebody is standing alone or if you could ever remember yourself going to an event, you know whatever it might be, and it's like you're kind of you're like looking around going, "Oh gosh, I don't know anybody here. What in the world did I decide to come here in the first place?" Wow, you know, I'm I can I'm starting to sweat now. I'm thinking, oh my God, this was a mistake. And then somebody like you comes up and says, "Hi, I'm Mickey. What's your name?" And then you say your right. name and you say, you know, what brought you here today? And the next thing you know, you're going, wow, the shoulders that are up underneath your ears are kind of like lowering, and you're going, whoa, this isn't going to be so bad after all. This actually, I'm feeling better now, and I can see just by your personality that you do those kinds of things. So and 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 that is how you do it, isn't it? You just put yourself in front of people wherever that might be, correct? Yeah, and I mean, the best part about that is it makes me feel good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made somebody else feel good, but it makes me feel good 
And you don't know what's going to come out of that conversation. I mean, you're born to talk. So you know there's going to be something really fabulous that comes out of that conversation um, that, you know, you only started because that was a person that was standing by themselves across the room. So there's always a benefit that comes out of it. I mean, when you give somebody who needs a smile a smile, they'll smile back, and then you get the benefit. So, you know, it's, again, I feel like it's pretty simple, but, you know, especially right now, we're all so wrapped up in our own stuff, right? And we're all bogged down in that. And so it's harder and harder to think about spreading joy. True. And it doesn't always mean the same thing to everybody. We both know that as outgoing as we both are, that there are certainly people that are the exact opposite, and they're not going to make eye contact, and they really don't want you to engage them, and all they really want to do is be left alone. And I think that you and I are very capable of reading that in someone as well. Just body language says a lot about how people are in a joyful way. You offer a smile to someone. Now, granted, now it's pretty hard to see that smile through a mask, but frankly, if, if anybody was to go in the mirror, put the mask on, and smile, what I find happens for me is my eyebrows go up like, oh, hi, nice to see you. So they're, they're, it's not like we've lost all our expression. Certainly smiling is great, and the technology of Zoom has certainly allowed so many of us now to visually look to one another and smile and be ourselves, pardon me, and get to learn um, more and more and more about each other. If you were going to offer somebody, uh, go ahead, please add on to that. Yeah, I have a funny story about somebody who didn't want me to talk to them. Hmm. So um, when I was at South Bay Galleria, you know, and I was trying to help the team, you know, understand different things that they could do to create exceptional experiences for our customers, I wanted to train the team in the food court to bus tables. You know, they would take the tray when people were done eating. You know, something you totally don't expect to see in a food court. So I, one Saturday, I got dressed up in my food court uniform, and I worked side by side with them. And I showed them, you know, it's not really that hard to say, are you done eating? May I take your tray? So I would go from table to table, you know, taking trays, and they would see me doing it. And, um, and I went up to this one gentleman and I said, are you done eating? May I take your tray? He said, no. And he was really angry at me. I said, okay. And I walked away. And I find out later that he had actually gone to the person who was um, in charge of the food court staff and complained about me. Mm. And that he would oftentimes sit in the food court for hours with a couple of French fries on his plate. Um, but he didn't have any place to go. So he sat in the food court and he left a little food there so that it seemed like, you know, he could sit there and I was bothering him because I was trying to take his tray away. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was, it was perfect actually, because, you know, the team there was afraid to take trays away for exactly that reason, but they knew this man because he did it all the time. So they all had a good laugh about that, but you know, it is. It's pretty obvious when somebody doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> no, you're out. You're, you're absolutely right. That's really interesting. I'm thinking about 
that thinking about all the different food courts around the malls here in the L.A. basin that I've been to, and you're absolutely right, um, there really aren't people that bust the tables that I can recall, that I don't visualize somebody actually having that job. And I do think that you also touched on something that was probably just as important then as it would be today if we were allowed to be out and about. In fact, in some ways even more so today because we are so isolated, is that maybe sometimes people just really go to that food court because they want that Panda Express or whatever it is that they want to eat, but they just want to be amongst people because they just don't want to be home for whatever that reason might be. And this, they don't have to spend any money except for parking perhaps, and if parking is free, then that's not an issue. So I can really see where malls and those kinds of shopping areas really do more than just support the retail. Now, granted, when you see people walking through a mall and they've got a Sephora bag or they've got a Brighton bag or they've got a Macy's bag or whatever, um, you think, oh, I didn't know there was a Sephora here. I wonder where the Sephora is. You know, there's a lot of things that go through your mind as a shopper that don't go through your mind today when you're shopping online. But, you know... It's just what it is right now. So what what are some ways that our listeners could build a joyful community in whatever it is that they do, whether it's even – maybe it's not even in a business because you are involved in a lot of um, nonprofits as well, and I don't know if that translates to that or not. Yeah, it certainly does. Um you know, two two things that I can think of um, off the top of my head where it does translate, which are some of the volunteer um, things that I do. One is, and one that's my favorite, and, and if there's anybody listening and they know me, they probably already know this about me, but I love to put my lobster costume on and dress up as a lobster lady. Um, mm-hmm. for the, it started with the Redondo Beach Lobster Festival. Um, and you know, we, I started putting the costume on and coerced a couple of other friends to become lobster ladies with me. And, um, and we bring so much joy when we walk around lobster festival in our lobster costumes. It reminds me of probably what the person wearing the Mickey mouse costume at Disneyland <laughs> feels like, um, people want to take their pictures with us. Um, you know, they want a high claw with us, which is kind of like high five, <laughs> but it's high claw. Um, yeah. You know, the kids are not afraid of us, you know, unlike, you know, Santa Claus or whatever. Um, and it totally brings me joy and it brings all the ladies joy. And it, it creates, you know, people who don't even talk to us or get their pictures taken with us are watching, you know, these lobster ladies walking around and we dance with the band and, all that kind of fun stuff. So I think, you know, things like that, I mean, that brings me joy and it also brings other people joy. And I think it's, you know, it's great for the brand, for the Lobster Festival brand to have the lobster ladies walking around. Um, the South Bay Business Women's Association um, has an annual conference called the um, South Bay Women's Conference. And um, it was started 
a few years ago, I don't know, maybe seven years ago now, not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things we were, we were having, you know, annual or monthly dinner meetings, but there wasn't another way for us to really connect with people um, and, you know, bring them along with us on developing um, the conference, which actually is a fundraiser to um, give scholarships to women who are either returning to college or going to college for the first time. And so we started a monthly mixer. And, you know, it wasn't expensive for people to go, but it was called Let's Connect. And it was basically about, you know, generating, starting relationships with women who would then, you know, be interested in going to the conference, but also would be creating connections with other like-minded women. You know, networking can be kind of tough sometimes because what do you say? What do you do? you know, all that. But when you create connections with other women or other people who have the same interests as you, like, Mm -hmm. you know, giving scholarships to women who need scholarships, um, it's all so much easier and it's organic and natural and it all falls into place. So, you know, starting that um, monthly mixer program, I think was something that was, you know, it's a great volunteer program um, Mm. that really brings people together and creates that connection. Is that still um, able to go on under today's conditions? Or do, do you meet? Does it? Does do you still yeah. have a, a way for? So it is still ongoing. We do. Yeah, we oh, do. We have. Um, yeah, there are monthly Zoom meetings now, and um, and we have you know a speaker, and it's only five dollars to join us, and that money all goes towards the scholarships, and we're building relationships. That's awesome. You know. I really do see, frankly, with all the disadvantages of where we're living in today's lifestyle, there are advantages. Now, maybe somebody really living in another state may not want to, to support precisely what it is that you're doing in your city, but they may get the idea like, gosh, this is such a great idea. Why don't we start something like that where we live? And by just sharing this, Mickey, that that's also content that inspires others, and and that allows people to build a joyful community wherever they are. And I think that that's, that's yeah. part of what you're all about. And I have I have a perfect example of that. Um, sure. Of I was following a woman, Beth Azor, who um, is in uh, the real estate um, world. And so I was following her. She's very dynamic, has lots of really great ideas. And she started a series during COVID called Small Biz Live or Small Biz Saturday. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But I watched it and I thought, I can do that too. So I started Small Biz Live with the North Redondo Beach Business Association to little 15-minute interviews every Saturday at 10 a.m. and, you know, giving more exposure to our small businesses in North Redondo Beach who, during this time especially, need, you know, more advertising and exposure. So it's just a quick little interview show. But it tells the community, our North Redondo Beach neighbors, the residents, and the small businesses, they all get to know each other better, and they all get to support each other more. But I took that idea because I was watching what Beth was doing. 
So can you tell I totally me how agree with you? I I'm I would like to know those that are listening and maybe somebody's taking notes and I might also just add I will be including all of your links in the follow up to this show but how would people find that every that show every Saturday where where would they go uh, it's on the NRBBA Instagram, North Redondo Beach Business Association Instagram, and it's Instagram Live. Great. Thank you. All you need to do is log in. So it's the NRBBA, North Redondo Beach Business Association Instagram Live. So I know that you've got that. I mentioned also that you've got your your website, Nikki M. Marketing. Dot com. You are also um, on Facebook and Twitter and Twitter as well, right? And LinkedIn, right. so people right. can find and, you on all and of those I have places. My own, and my own Instagram, and I actually also started a Pinterest page because mm. I wanted to have a place where I could kind of catalog um, great experiences and great ways to, um, you know, create joy. So I wanted to have a place where I could just you know, put little articles or, or images nice. or, or things like that that are, I feel are beneficial for building a joyful community. Thank you. You know, Mickey, I know that when we're off this, this call, this this our show together, that you have other things to do today. But perhaps what I can let our listeners know is that at some point earlier, later in the afternoon, if you could send me those links, I will be certain that people can find you on Pinterest and all of the other places that you are located so that people can follow you because I think that that's ideal. If we were going to talk about, let's see, your dream client, who would your dream client be? That would be you, Marsha. No, I'm kidding. Who would be your dream client? Well, after you. Oh, after me, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I love the shopping center industry, and, you know, when I tell people, when I even say shopping center these days, everybody grimaces and thinks, oh, my gosh, those poor shopping centers. And it is has been really tough on the industry. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like there's still so much opportunity, and, you know, it, the developers just have to be willing to listen to the community and be willing to make change. And, you know, I think something that's really important to look at now, you know, everyone's looking at their return on investment and looking at the dollars and cents of it. And I feel like social equity is a really important part of return on investment now. You know, it's like what kind of an impact can you make on the community? And you might not see it in dollars and cents, but you might see it in loyalty. You know, you might see it in saving lives. I mean, there are so many small regional shopping center developers that I've seen um, throughout this whole COVID pandemic who have had food drives for their communities. You know, they're, they're, they're making a difference and, you know, there's not, they didn't have any stores open, you know, so they weren't doing it because they were generating, you know, dollars and cents to their retailers. They were doing it because it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, People forget that that's what shopping centers do. I mean, when there's fires, there's clothing drives. When, um, when there's earthquakes, there's food drives. I mean, we, uh, you see shopping centers do that, whether they're small regional shopping centers or national developers. They do that. That's what shopping centers do. We are an important part of our communities. So I feel like, you know, my ideal 
client would be a regional shopping center developer who ha- really puts an emphasis on customer experience and creating that joyful community for their customers and listening to their customers. Um, you know, some examples of that are CenterCal, I think, is a great developer who does that, Prime Store, um, Ratkovich, um, Newmark Merrill. They're all regional shopping center developers who really place a lot of emphasis on customer experience and making a difference in their communities. And, and these, these um, shopping center industries that you're speaking about, does, does it, are they, and, and I believe you said regional. So are you in a position where you would help somebody that is in San Francisco or is in Miami help to do that? Or are you, are you I mean, are you traveling to help um, these industries um, come back? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I would, yeah, I would easily travel. I mean, but, you know, I want to make sure it's the right, right developer, you know, the the developer who really, truly cares about their community. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm happy to build joyful communities everywhere. I mean, if I could make the world a joyful community, I would do it in a heartbeat. (laughs) And when you say shopping centers, you know, my mind goes to malls, but as an example, you mentioned the Lobster Fest or by me and Marina Del Rey. There there are areas, or a perfect example by us, Mickey, is in El Segundo, what's happened in the El Segundo point in, in those areas. Where right. is that? Is when, so that would be another thing like, oh, look at there's a Whole Foods. Oh, look at there's, you know, oh, my gosh, they just closed this store. Where am I going to go now for that? You know, it, where am I going to eat uh, I can see where when you start finding places like, oh, I can go there. That's kind of like one-stop shop. I'll get my pet right. food. I'll get my cosmetics. I'll get my food. Um, I might go into the watch repair place. Um, I can see where, and then at the same token, like you're saying, if maybe you can't really get into those areas, but what you understood from maybe your local newspaper or social media that they're looking to collect backpacks for kids or a food drive or anything like that where the community can come out. And, you know, because of where you live, and it's a a small community, you know, it's a city. It's not – I live in what I would call a community. I live in Westchester. It's in the city of Los Angeles. Redondo Beach is its own city. There's times when you're driving down Sepulveda, and I know I'm making this sound very regional now, where you'll see a billboard – that will have like a rotating message and you'll go, Oh wow, there's going to be a car show or, Oh my gosh, there's going to be an art walk. And there's a lot of things that happen in all of our communities. We're not unique to that. It's just that today it's becoming harder and harder to do that, especially when we are being encouraged not to gather. So that kind of leads me into my next question for you, Mickey. And that is, how has COVID impacted your business life? Well, um, you know, small businesses, you know, some have really struggled a lot. And I did lose one of my favorite clients right when this first happened because of layoffs. Um, and that was really disappointing because that business had an impact on a lot of um, restaurants and other small businesses. And I, 
really wanted to be there to help them, but that didn't work out. But, you know, and the silver lining always is, you know, well, what, what did I do? Well, I had, you know, this opportunity to start the Small Biz Live show and help small businesses that way. I'm working with another organization that's helping um, small and medium-sized manufacturers throughout the entire state of California. Um, and, you know, manufacturing is the foundation of everything we do. And there are so many, you know, you talk about pivot, there are so many manufacturers who are, you know, could be a distillery as a manufacturer, and now they're making hand sanitizer. So um, that's been really, really fascinating. And, you know, nothing I really ever expected to be doing. And so, you know, I'm just really thankful um, for different opportunities. And that really came about because of a CARES Act um, award and grant to that company. So, um, you know, if I, I want to help, I want to make a difference and, um, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to make that difference and, you know, try to make sure that, you know, I can spread a little joy while I'm doing it. Great. I, all of a sudden we'll be out of time and I want to ask you a, a couple of more, more personal questions. Um, mm-hmm. so what I'd like to ask you is what do you like to do for fun? Well, that's a great question. Um, okay. You know, I've been really blessed to have a career that's fun, and it ties fun into it. You know, working in the community means going to community events. And so many of my friends I know from my work in the community. So that has been, you know, just a blessing. I do love to travel. I have an amazing group that I travel with, and we go on or we have gone on international a lot lot of fun international um trips like to Egypt and um India and all kinds of exotic places that's been really amazing and and this this is a group of you know 10 to 20 people who we see each other you know once every year or every two years when we go on these trips and it, and that is just super super fun um I have. I gotta interrupt you here. Can I interrupt you? So these ten to are these? Did you say they they're all women or they're men and women that do this? No, men and women. Men and women. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do we have a mutual friend that you've traveled with? Um, I'm not sure because a lot of my travel folks are either from the East Coast. I have um, my friend Donna, who's been my travel partner for years. and she lives um, in down near San Diego, um, so I'm not sure. Who are you thinking of? Jane Phillips. I have not traveled with Jane Phillips, but we've been to some of the same places, but not at the same time. But her travel looks amazing. It. it I can hardly. I think that for me, Mickey, what what. The, the most regrettable part of this whole pandemic for me has been the inability to travel because like you, like Jane, I've also done a lot of inter, international travel. And we do connect for people because you know Jane because of the Crown Jewel Club, and I know Jane right. for that same reason. And it's really interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people that are on social media, when they see, oh, who's, who's so-and-so's Facebook friends, and then you start looking and you're going, Oh my gosh, she's friends with 
her or him and them. And it's like, wow, that is so awesome. Jim Mueller, that's so cool. Sharon, right. I'm Susan Burden. I've had people that have reached out to me and said, I know Mickey. She is so awesome. That is <laughs> that is such a great thing. And it, and it, it, they don't have to say it. And I and I and I really I love it when that happens because, as you said, traveling is 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 great. And you mentioned that you think your career is fun. Just imagine how many people think that their career is not fun. We're very fortunate. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. Isn't that Don't too bad? Don't love their career. I, I too can't bad. even imagine. I could not even get out of bed in the morning if I didn't love what I did. I jump out of bed because I love what I do. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. So let me ask you something else. I know the answer to my question to this, but I'd like to know the answer that you would give us, which is, so how do you balance your work life, this professional, wonderful career that you have, and your personal life? Um. Again, there's they blend so much. I I, I remember, um, you know, talking to a client about social media, and they and you know saying, oh, you should have a business page. And they said, well, you know, should I put business items on my personal page? Should I put personal items on my business page? Mm-hmm. You know, where do I draw the line? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't you don't draw the line. You are your brand. You know, you are what you do, you know, with your kids and you are what you do with your job, you know. And my opinion is your brand is 100% who you are. So if you want to convey your brand, then you convey your brand on your personal page and you convey your brand on your business page. I mean, obviously your business page supports your business, but people need to know you and love you and trust you, and that's how they get to know you and love you and trust you, is they learn more about you. Wow. So I don't think, I, I'm not sure I separate my uh, personal life and my professional life very well. They, it all blends together, but it's not like I feel totally exhausted because I'm working all the time, because I, I think I'm working and playing simultaneously. That I that's That is such interesting advice, and Trust me, I, I did hear you loud and clear on what you said and and how you do that. So when we met a couple of weeks ago, I just want to bring this in closing because I want to give you time to answer this question because you asked me a few weeks ago, what is your why, Marsha? What is your why? And we talked about that. Why? Why do you do this? What is it? So I'd like to ask you that same question, Mickey. In these closing few moments together, we have a few minutes to talk about this. What is your why? I want to make people joyful. That's my why. I mean, I don't want to stop at happy. I want people to experience joy. And, you know, sometimes you have to think about, like, what is joy? You know, I, I have a really funny explanation, not funny, odd, I should say, explanation of joy. Joy is when I'm laughing and crying at the same time. <laughs> I remember, and, and, and it's, not, it's not always a funny thing. You know, you can laugh so hard that you're crying, 
But I remember being at an event, and it was um, Girls' Night Out with the um, the Redondo Beach um, Cancer Support Community. And there was a woman telling her story about having cancer. And it was a sad story. I mean, we know that. And I was crying. And then she made a joke, and I started laughing. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I am just welling up so much with emotion right now in terms of laughter and sadness. And it was just like, I don't know. It's, I can't even explain it. But it is, I want people to feel joy. And you can't feel joy unless you, I mean, it's, it's over the top. It's an over the top emotion. Um, I feel joy when I watch a sunset. I mean, I can't get enough sunsets and I, and I unfortunately can't take enough pictures of sunsets. Um, (laughs) But that, I mean, mother nature, she brings me joy so much. I've got this amazing yard with this amazing garden and I didn't start it. The person who lived here before me started it, but I am totally taking care of it and I love it and it brings me joy. Um, my pets bring me joy because they're just, they don't know what they're doing, but you know, Ziggy, when he's rolling around on his back and he's barking and there's no reason for him to be doing that, I'm like, that's dog joy. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just joy. It comes in so many, um, it comes in so many different flavors and it doesn't have to be complicated. We just have to, we have to acknowledge it when it happens and I think that's the hard part is we see something, it brings us joy, and then we go right back to our daily grind. You know, you, yeah. have, to, you have to embrace it and acknowledge it. So my you're, why you're, is because I, I want people to feel joy. I want people to experience joy. I want more people in this world to feel joy. And right now, more than ever. Is what you said uh, was so meaningful, and I'm sure a lot of people um, would recognize what you're saying. It's very interesting to me that your joys are so very similar to mine. And I also think acknowledging it and embracing it is key. So often we say, oh, yeah, that was great. Okay, now what, what was I doing? Instead of right. saying, oh, my gosh, that was great. I need to just take a moment, even if it makes you well up, okay? Because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. it does. Sometimes mm-hmm. the joy, just like you said, that you start crying and then you start laughing, sometimes mm-hmm. joy just shows up. But it isn't going to show up if your eyes are closed. It isn't right. going to show up if you're not open to it. And then when you do receive that joy, whatever it is, something your kid said, something your dog did. What kind of a dog is Ziggy? What kind of a, what, what is he? German Shepherd. Okay, so he's a he's shepherd. German so shepherd. he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll just start ro- rolling around and you're going, what's he dreaming about? And now he's barking. Is he talking to me? I'm not sure. I, I, yes, I, I get it, Ziggy. I, I, I'm going to try and respond back to you. You know, there, there's so much we can learn. And, and I think that, you know, when you asked me about my why and I had to really ponder on it and then you helped me come up with it, it's very similar to what you're saying, which is I want to make the world a better place, one story at a time. And as you were leaving my house that day 
And we kind of came up with that together, one story at a time. No, I want to make the world a better place. And you were starting to get into your car. And I went, wait, Nikki, I've got it. One (laughs) story at a time. Yes, let's share the joy. Let's share what's positive. Let's Mm -hmm. lift people up. If you do that because you stretch in the morning, if you do that because you're mindful and you sit in a in a yogi position and you're just taking in that deep breath and you're grateful for the beginning of your day or you've, you're grateful for the end of your evening because you saw that magnificent sunset or mm-hmm. whatever that might be, whatever that might be, if you look, I'm a believer and I would imagine that you would be too. If you look for joy and you live in joy, you will find joy. Exactly. Right? It's yeah, it's the it's exactly. the truth. It's it's absolutely the truth. And I think that what you're doing and different organizations and because of our our connection to the Chamber of Commerce and just just the other areas that we that we enjoy together, it just builds a bond. And not everybody wants a bond. Not everybody is going to have the bond. But I really recommend that people look at your at your um, website because you have great blocks of outreach and strategy and digital and public relations and events and partnerships. And every one of those areas you can learn more. You can subscribe. And, and I think that your idea about your Facebook Live, you know, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it's not like I, I'm in Toastmasters, and being able to speak extemporaneously is not always easy. Can't even say the word half the time. But <laughs> I think it's, one of those, it's one of those tricky words. But I think that, that you've met my expectations by bringing joy to my radio show and just celebrating you, Mickey. I just want to thank you so much for being a part of this with me today. It's been well, great. Well, thank you, Marcia. It's been a pleasure, and you're so easy to talk to and so easy to tell my story, too. I really appreciate great. it. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Have a great week. I just got to throw in one more plug as we say goodbye. I know those folks that are living wherever they are in Florida, that's Tampa. I know you're out to get us Dodgers, but we're coming. And I can hardly wait for this (laughs) World Series. I'm so excited. So with that in mind, me too. So everybody be safe out there. Love the one you're with. And I will continue to build a better world one story at a time. Bye for now, everybody.